Okay, now we're recording. And uh, yeah, I was sighing there. I'm just uh, just trying to get emotionally charged up to do another Humble and Fred show. Right. Well, how about this? Were we recording when you said the thing about the United States? How did it get this reputation for being the uh, no? The greatest country on earth. Anyway, you asked that question, and then you both agreed it was great marketing. Yeah, they got the greatest marketing. Hmm. I read this story this morning, and I had to read it twice, okay? The Senate on Tuesday, this is yesterday. Yesterday's Tuesday. Yeah, okay? I know. The Tuesday that was yesterday. <laughs> passed legislation to protect same-sex and interracial marriage called the Respect for Marriage <laughs> <Yeah>. Act <laughs> in a landmark bipartisan vote. Yeah, I saw that. But get a load of this. The final vote was 61-36, right? Yeah. The bill supported by all members of the Democratic caucus, of course, and only 12 Republicans. So 36 Republicans said, no, I don't think so. Uh, No, I don't think we'll go for that. (laughs) No, I know. I saw that. Hey, Dan, Dan, turn off the uh, air if you don't mind. Like, what year is it? (laughs) What year is it? I'm glad you brought that up because it's one level of disgusting the protection of gay marriage. Yeah. But can you imagine mm. in 2022, what Tuesday was it? Yesterday's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine they were actually somebody voted against interracial marriage? You've got to be joking, you fucking piteous motherfuckers. And if you talk to any of them, they would probably argue there was something else in that bill that they didn't like and on and on and on. But it's just another. But again, you know, it's there's been different presidents and different uh, uh, senates and and, and different congresses. Mm. Why just now in 2022 that this gets like final approval? You know what I'm saying? It's like. It's not even. You can't but, just hang that on the people now. What about the past fifteen years? Yeah, go ahead, there, Danny. Uh, there's and there's a lot of car votes in that thing, so it's not it's not actually clean clean. It's like if you, uh, it doesn't say that all states have to yeah take a marriage you know, allow allow marriage. It's that if you're married in any one of the states, it still yeah, has. It's to recognized. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It, it doesn't actually include all the states. By the way. This is why I had to sigh before we start a show, because it's like, you know, here we go again. It's like, uh, it's too much. There's too much going on to absorb it all properly. Um, But yeah, can you imagine that in 1967, when I was seven and you guys were whatever you are, you know, nine or ten, 1967 was the last state, I think it was one of the uh, southern ones, Mississippi, Missouri, whatever, that actually made, that was the last state that allowed uh, interracial marriage to be legal. Mm -hmm. But here we are all these years later, and there was a vote on it on that Tuesday, yesterday's Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I know. And, you know, there's gobbledygook and you go through it and you read it. And, you know, and again, as I said, there would be Republicans saying, yes, let me explain. But this is one of those things where you would think bipartisan would be whatever the numbers are totally unanimous. But who are these creatures that vote against it because they're concerned about their constituents back home? Like what kind of cesspool pockets are there in the United States? There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But this this just shows you, you know, in the in uh, mid America, just what lurks out there. You know, and we're going to talk uh, Canadian politics today a little bit with Tony Clement. Not totally, you know. There's lots of other stuff to talk about with Tony. But can you imagine in Brampton or Regina or Victoria, New Westminster, Newfoundland, a politician going back and saying, yeah, I voted against interracial and same-sex marriage. How's everyone else doing? Mm-hmm. I, I know we got our problems here and, you know, we're not perfect by any means. No. You know, it's funny you brought that up. Funny, interesting. Because I just happened to watch a little CNN last night before I went on to a Larry Sanders marathon. And uh, that's one of the first things I saw. And I, I just, I was sort of shaking my head going, you know, who who gets to vote against? Who would vote against? I'm not sure both are, it's it's disgusting on both sides, but interracial marriage? <laughs> Can you, are you still, because, you know, it, technically you're in an interracial marriage. Well, technically, yeah. I mean, flat out. <laughs> like, you know. Although I, I believe some people believe that uh, Dull's not dark enough for me to actually claim I'm in an interracial marriage. Oh, no. I thought you were the colored one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> know. All, all pink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my uh, eldest daughter is in an interracial relationship and is probably going to yeah. be in an interracial marriage. You know, I'm. A, what, will the, what will the kids be, Howard? What will the kids be? They will be b- beautiful and loved. <laughs> but that's that's. You know, you, I, do you want me to say what I what I call them? What I, I thought you I thought you were. You know what I've said that they're going to have little chocolate Jew babies. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. And you're, you're allowed to say that, and why not? I mean, that's the I'm, I'm I'm borrowing that from the royal family scuttlebutt. What will the children be? Yeah, the royal family. <laughs> you know, um, we we have so many other things to get to. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, before we start the show, though, yesterday we were a little remiss. We got kind of carried away. And uh, we do want to acknowledge one of our sponsors a couple times today because we have uh, commitments here on the Humble and Fred Show. Absolutely. So let's uh, acknowledge Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry leading odds, world class sportsbook, and feature rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled, ga- uh, unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, hey, don't look now, but these Toronto Maple Leafs are pretty hot, eh? Something like 10, 1, and 3 in November. They are. They are. Let's see it in the postseason. Anyway, San Jose Sharks in town tonight. The Maple Leafs, minus 310, okay, to win. Um, this will all, Why don't you do this? Why don't you... Because I'm going to read you my uh, response to the chorus okay let me statement if you find it a lot of people know back in the spring a lot of uh, discussion dan and i and fred about the john derringer situation i can't remember dan i know obviously people know we worked with uh derringer did, did you ever know no. him meet him oh, okay 
No. He never yelled at you. He never, he never, never had that pleasure. Wait a no, second. I was, I was out before that. I, you, he never called you untrustworthy cocksuckers? <laughs> no. No. You never said, let's compare paychecks and uh, decide who's more important? That's right. No, I was he, uh, time with his lovely brother. Wait a second. He never opened up a set of golf clubs in reception <laughs> in front of the entire staff. The club's worth more than most people were making in a month. He didn't. He, you didn't know that guy? <laughs> You only know him uh, through us. Not really. No. No, okay, well. I managed to escape that, uh, that period <laughs> of time, which is not part of my... Uh, well, this will be good for next week. Jackie uh, Delaney is com- coming back on the show. When she was one of the women in that room, Jackie Delaney, Jennifer Valentine, Colleen Rushholm, Maureen Holloway. I say all that because... That's of- a woman's softball team, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I say that because I'm going to comment on some of the responses from the Q107 release where they literally are... T- some of the responses are taking Derringer's side. But let's get to that after. So you want me to read it? No, it's a reasonable statement. Yeah, if you don't like uh, fucking corporate double talk, you won't like this. Anyway, the independent external investigation conducted by Turnpenny Milne, LLP, into complaints about the working environment at the show Derringer in the morning has concluded... We understand that this investigation had participation for both current and former employees. While personnel matters remain private and confidential, we understand and accept the findings and recommendations. Uh, We're not already in place. We intend to implement the investigators' recommendations. We thank all those who provided their valuable input throughout this process and turn Penny Milne LLP for their important and thorough work. That's it? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So this is throw that out there and just hope yeah. this fucking goes away now. <laughs> and before I tell you, because I know, I know, I know, I wasn't sure if you were kidding or not, but I responded as me, not as Humble and Fred Radio. But before I read you what I wrote last night when I saw this, I just want to point out that I, I remember having this conversation with Jackie. I'm not sure if it was on the show or off the show. I think it was on. And, and she told us that as soon as these people at Turnpenny Milne, LLP, when they found out that Jackie didn't want to be interviewed as a witness, she wanted to be interviewed as a victim. I'm quoting her, by the way, Turnpenny Milne. So don't sue me. But Jackie said, well, they said, well, no, we don't really want to talk to you. Colleen wasn't called. I don't know about Maureen or Jennifer, but I know that specific person, Jackie Delaney, was there to give her witness statement, and they didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right away, the whole thing is a bit skewed. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I don't understand and, you know, the difference. They, you know, implement. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, no, I just don't understand the, 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 the difference in, is it the tone of being a victim that they didn't want that interview in the, in the record or something? I mean, you know what, Dan, I'm going to ask, that's one of the first questions I'm going to ask her next week. I don't know. I, you know, I, we all suspect that they weren't looking. It, it was a weird investigation right from that point. They didn't seem to be looking for information from the witnesses. I mean, I'm sorry, from the from the victim, the victims. They wanted it's to like have. They had enough of that, right? 
It's almost they were looking for maybe the witnesses can soften this a bit. The victims are overreacting. Maybe the witnesses will give a, you know, a testimony that, oh, it wasn't that bad. I, I mean, that's just speculation on my part. But listen, when the, when the company involved hires the company to investigate them, you know, and they want to call this a third party, whatever yeah, the shit that is. But, yeah, this is just so corporate. And then somebody might be out there and go, okay, what else are they supposed to do? I, I, I don't know exactly, but this is the standard bullshit. Here's what I wrote. Because to answer your question, what, what else are they supposed to do? So I just tweeted back, such basic corporate bullshit. No apologies to the women this fucker abused and no admission of culpability or guilt. But hey, they did thank the company they hired for a report they won't share. Perfect. It's the perfect corporate statement because of those things I pointed out. You'd at least think they might say, well, I guess they won't. They were told they were advised by a law firm. Don't apologize. No admission of guilt. But you did. You know what I thought was so weird about it was they were thanking the company that they hired. That's all. The only gratitude they showed was to the company they hired to help them, you know, make this thing go away. Really? No, I know. And obviously, you're right. That's legal advice because it's interesting because I think a, a few of the women have been asked, do you plan on, you know, taking this further? Right. Uh, you know, maybe lawsuits, uh, whatever. And whatever could be a tied to that, uh, tied to that on, you know, whatever the lawsuits would be about or claim or charge or whatever. And most of them, I think, have said no, but I'm... As I said to a person yesterday who frequented those halls, I said, I'd love to see a couple of lawsuits just for the entertainment value. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I would. Yeah. And and listen, everyone's a, a, a everyone's a, whatever allowed their opinion. <laughs> maybe. 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 I had a little bit of a moment there. Everyone is allowed their opinion, but here's one of the first responses on the Q107 Twitter feed. Well, first, there's always two sides to a story. The whole Jennifer thing, not sure why she'd even want to do a guy's morning show or because no one else would have her. I've heard from people that she herself was difficult to work with. I enjoyed the morning show and now can't listen. Are you fucking kidding me? That's an actual woman, by the way, who's saying, well, maybe it's Jennifer's fault. You know, that whole thing about women being mm -hmm. to blame. Now, again, I didn't respond to her, but there was more than Jennifer Valentine. You know, we've named them more, but we've named four of them, but there was many more. Yeah, but Howard, you know, it's a lot like what's going on in the States and uh, situations we've seen in Canada before where it's blame the victim because... The victim has disrupted my life. Yeah, People exactly. Get up every morning with that morning show, and they just thought JD was great, and you know, and Ryan, and that's my morning. And you're trying to take that away from me. And that's what I'm saying. It's way more than just her. Yeah, it was several women. And the thing is, it's not like two sides to this story. It's abundantly clear. <laughs> it's weighted way, way, way. Um. You know, against Derringer than for him. Come on. There's several tweets. Bring back Derringer. Love JD. Bring him back. Bring Johnny back. Bring Parker and Garbit back. 
Um, good luck to Jennifer ever finding a job again. Sounds like sour grapes to me. A sunshine girl at best. That's from a guy. Like, that's an actual human being. You know, I feel so, you know, sometimes you, you, you've said this before. You just wonder where, you know, where we've all gone. Like, you would never say that to somebody in person. You now, that guy that just wrote that, is his name on there? Like an yeah. actual guy? or is He's an it actual some? guy. Mm. <clears throat> He's got zero followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, is that, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, exactly. That's just part of the cesspool that is Twitter and, you know, people. It's funny, when I was YouTubing yesterday, I saw a Jordan Peterson thing, and he was on with Bill Maher like seven years ago predicting the polarization of the united states this is before trump he could just see it coming through social media and here we sit in 2022 the things that he said he's a bit of a whack job actually i I, I accept that there's a guy that seems always like on the edge of freaking the fuck out yeah he thinks too much like you know what i mean i think he's constantly overthinking but anyway but it was just interesting to see his take so long ago on social media and how it was going to rip the united states apart he could see it coming and as I say, we sit here today, and it, it, it's so true. And, and look at that. It's like, so not not only is there just support for, for John there, there's, you know, vitriol against the victim. Yeah, that's what I was trying like, to come say. Come on. Could, yeah. you, could you ever have imagined when this woman, I don't care how difficult she was to work with, that isn't the point of this. But to actually take the side of an abuser like Derringer is something I would have never imagined. But I do want to point out something that this is the kind of shit, this is the kind of shit that actually amuses me. So if you go to the Q107 Twitter feed, the statement that came out is there and, you know, they've, re, they've tweeted that statement. And then that was tweeted 16 hours ago. That was your Tuesday, the one that happened yesterday. <laughs> and then right underneath that, tweeted the only tweet below that so it's in in order i'm trying to describe it so you look at their twitter feed so there's this big statement from q107 and then below there's something from joanne wilder can you have too many christmas decorations nope yes you can (laughs) like how fucking weird You, you you tweet this statement about one of the biggest stories in toronto media ever and below that is just your typical stupid twitter poll Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seemed like someone might have given that a pause for a few days. Just let that thing, you know, hang there. <clears throat> and let, let, you know, it's funny how th- <laughs> things sort of become fuzzy and gray. And in the entertainment industry, television and radio, and I think I touched on this last week, and I've had this conversation with my kids. When you do live broadcasting, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of... Well, there is. There's a there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress. And sometimes from that comes momentary incidents that you might apologize for after or you might snap at somebody when you didn't mean it. If it's only because you're coming up against the clock. Being difficult to work with and being an outright tyrant are two different things. You know, and there's. You know, and there's, again, different levels of it in the workplace. Because over the years, you know, I, I was a prick sometimes, a couple of times, a few times over the years. Because, you know, the show must go on and I need this and I need that. And I'm sorry, maybe I was a bit sharp with you or whatever. That's the nature of the beast. But when the show is over 
or the songs playing. You're not standing up screaming at somebody with spit coming out of your fucking mouth. Right. I mean, you know, I think my reputation precedes me and only one of us had to go to therapy mandated by the uh, management. But, you know, I... uh, the, to what you said, you know, I was, you know, I'm not being fucking sued by dozens of women or, or called out by dozens of women. Uh, Dan Duran, when you were on one of your Marvel movie sets, did you ever just freak out because <laughs> because, you know, Dan Duran, the anchorman wasn't being treated with the respect that he deserves? No, that does, it doesn't no. happen. Never seen anything like that go on. But Dan, uh, listen, both Fred and I have known you a long time. Me, maybe a little bit longer. But you know, you you have your moments. We all, you know, you'll get you'll get your backup. Yeah, I heard some uh, loud voices, you know, last night talking about some theater you're involved with. You were quite animated. We all get animated. Damn. Right. Well, it was it was not uh, at the people. No, it no, was, of course uh, not. It was about, about the people. <laughs> it was about the people. Yeah, it's about the people. No, you've explained. No, I mean, it. I've, I've had at work discussions. Oh yes, uh, lively discussions or yes. whatever. I don't feel that I've ever crossed the line to the point mm-hmm. of you know. No, no. You, that, no. I would I would concur. I don't think you've ever crossed the line, but you've gotten animated at people. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Everybody yeah. gets like Fred was exactly what Fred was saying. Was that and, exactly what Fred exactly said? Exactly what Fred was. Oh, saying. just repeat what Fred oh. said. <laughs> I've been with Dan. We've had political arguments where he's raised his voice and he starts talking like this to me. <laughs> he breaks up his words when he's trying to make his point. <laughs> That's why I was bugging him last night. Well, Dan, if it's not socialism, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> maybe by the way back yeah. to the uh, subject at hand yes maybe, let's get back to that maybe well, well, i'm the, sorry is the subject can you have too many christmas decorations <laughs> that fantastic that, cube hole that, that uh, big side let's see what uh, let's see no people yes you can say 65 percent of the people <laughs> I, maybe here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna comment what does that have to do with derringer Maybe the feckless response from Chorus yes. would inspire the the people who who did complain about Derringer to go to lawsuit stage because it's it's so ridiculous that that response. Like when Fred finished it, there I was like, "Holy cow, that's it!" There's no addressing any of the mm-hmm. issues and saying, "Hey, we we understand there was you know there was some workplace stuff going on. We uh, don't like you know we hate this kind of thing. This is not something that's normal. We have taken action wow. to blah 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 blah. There there could have been a little bit more of that. Yeah, Dan, like, I, I think it has to do with what I said though that they 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 can't in any way in a statement allow any. Because, as we were saying, that because there could potentially be a lawsuit, they can in no way, there's no culpability, there's no apology, there's nothing in there, but that statement, that was poured over by lawyers and corporate people for weeks before that was released. Yeah, that line, we're not already in place. We yeah. intend to implement the investigators' recommendations. They're, they're, that line is like, yeah, that covers it, you know, like... Uh, We've been on top of this, but maybe not to the full extent we should be. You know, fuck. I saw that, you know, we've been over those chorus values. No, I know. The hall 20 years ago that were bullshit. I love this line, too. What is it? We understand that this investigation had participated. What do you mean you understand? You just found out recently? It's it. 
listen, we're not going to be the only ones to, to discuss this today. We're just the only ones that have the latitude to say it out, say all this shit out loud. Mm-hmm. And again, none of us are squeaky clean, you know, from top to bottom. But prior to the show, I said to Howard too. There's just people that I admired through this. I mean, assholes too. I know through this that enabled John Derringer. But people I admire, too, the more I think about it, I'm thinking, why am, I, why am I trying in my own mind to find excuses for these people that I really like? They're just as guilty as anybody else. In fact, probably more guilty because it came across their desk. They saw it. They knew it. Yeah. And they didn't do anything about it. You know, and, and these were people that I admired as well. They were both uh, they were some people that both of us worked for and with for a long time. Oh, and by the way. One of them was the one that pulled me aside and gave me a bit of a talking to and it really, really helped me out. Uh, but I, I at the time thought, well, this person must really think enough of me to want to give me some really hard. And you've done this before, too, but you have to really like somebody a lot to tell them the truth. Yes. And why that person couldn't do the same thing for Derringer, because we were both he, he was both our bosses. <laughs> You know, but, I know, but, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why were they covering up for him, but thought, oh, you know, we, we better. Anyway, this is why I sighed before the show began. <laughs> no, no. And I think, Howard, they probably offered that to John, what they had offered you. And maybe he took it. But the thing is, you evolved. And I'm not just sniffing your ass. And the conversations we had over the years, believe me, part of that was self-interest. Like, let's not. This is a good thing. Let's not fuck it up by just behavior (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. i mean honestly like this is just fun let's just relax and have fun with this thing but anyway maybe you know that was offered but over the years stretched out over 20 we saw it 20 years ago and it was an issue within those walls just a couple of years ago over those 20 years at what point do you say okay we've done all we can for this guy yeah for the sake of humanity and decency let's get the fucking let's get rid of this asshole but well, no, uh, thanks bottom for, line meant too much. Well, no, and, and what you said, first, first of all, I appreciate you saying that, that everyone, I, I did evolve. I wasn't, I'm not the same at 62 as I was at 38. If you are, you're, something's wrong with you. But what, it's funny because in the time, remember, we worked in the halls with this guy in 2001, two, and three. That's all. So we're, our experience of the guy was a two-year period-ish but our experience of hearing about the guy, I mean, I'm friends with Colleen and we both know Maureen and Jackie and I don't know Jennifer Valentine at all, only through people. But I can tell you, I, we all know that workplace tolerances evolved over those 20 years. And yet, as recently as Jennifer Valentine, he was allowed to get away with it, which is kind of mind blowing, really. Because those guys we admired, they were long gone. The company still allowed him to be abusive to Jennifer Valentine within the last couple of years. That's sort of weird, isn't it? You think? No, exactly. And, you know, in the, who was he PD at the time? Blair. I mean, you know, yeah. he, the guy we know, Blair Bartram. I mean, now he's got a job at CHFI working with a morning show team. I, you know, honestly, I, like I would go, well, wait a minute. There was a guy in this situation there that sort of was an enabler, and now I've got him as part of my morning show. Does Are not questions raised or thought about? I, I'm just being honest. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like, 
anyway, um, let's uh, get ready to start the show. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to ask you two a, a question, speaking because we're talking about radio. I haven't had a radio dream in a long time. Did you guys have them when you first started off? All the time. Yeah. Explain yep. what I'm talking about. A radio dream. I'd walk in the booth and I didn't have my copy with me, and it was right. I was being introduced. Yeah, and then you weren't ready, or I wasn't ready. Dan, do you ever have those? Like, yeah, you, you, yeah. you, or you a stack of cards uh, <laughs> all over. <laughs> Nothing more. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, but that wasn't a dream, though. I'm this yeah. <laughs> out of order. <laughs> uh, Freddie, I had the weirdest dream last night. The dream wasn't like that, where there's a like the classic one for disc jockeys was you'd be going in my dream. I'd go for a smoke. And then I couldn't get back in the studio and the song went in. As a comedian, I would have the ones where I'd be introduced and I couldn't get up the stairs to the stage. But last time, last time I had this dream that a country station wanted to hire me. And, uh, and it was weird because I sort of said yes to the job before I forgot. I remembered that I was doing a podcast with you. And then when it came down to negotiations, they were offering me some real money. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I said, okay, but can I, I don't know. This is so weird. I was in front of the whole staff being introduced. And I said to the PD that hired me, I said, I don't know. Can I still do the podcast? It's true. Like I'm in my head. I was like, okay, I'll take the country music morning show <laughs> for fucking some reason, but I've still got to be able to do the podcast with Fred. Right. Uh, that, that's sort of saying something. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. It was this weird. You know, not dreams, just to get back to the Derringer thing. Yeah, let's never get off that. That's fun. Since this controversy blew up in the spring or whenever it was, not dreams. You know how many times I've sat there and just, you know, because I can work myself up, as you know. Hmm. Um, I've thought about what would it have been like if I'd have been in the room and he'd have freaked out on Johnny Garbett or one of the women. Say I was the sportscaster in that room. And that happened in front of me. Hmm. And I honestly, I know what I would have done. I would not have put up with it. Oh, I, I would not have. I, my personal integrity, my, I would not have put up with it. I would, I would have challenged that fucker. I know. Like, what are you doing? How can you, you know, because I've done it before with other people. No, I know. So it's like, who are the, you know, who, you know, the, the, you know, the PDs through the years, the general man, like, who are these fucking guys? Because I would have been right in that guy's face, and I don't give a shit if you'd have beat the shit out of me or whatever. There would have been a confrontation in that room. And then, and I, and I play it out this way, I, we would go into the general manager's office, and I would look at them and say, okay, here's what happened. Now, get rid of me, you assholes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm the guy that should go. Let's talk about that. So all this shit played out. And it was swept under the rug constantly. And it tells me so much about these fuckers that enabled him. Oh, yeah. People that we admire. Their integrity. Yeah. Those weasels. And we fucking know them. And, you know, I know. I, I agree with you. I, I totally, uh, you know, I just, you know, blowing smoke and sniffing. Um, right. Here's what people have asked me about us. They wanted, you know, during this controversy. What was Derringer like to you? And I said, I tell them the story of the untrustworthy cocksuckers. Suckers. <laughs> but I say, to my face, he was never anything but fucking nice. To my face. Yeah. Because, you know, I also had a bit of a presence. But he was never anything but, I'm never to our faces, anything but, hey, humble, pally, Freddy. Never. So that tells you everything about the guy. 
Uh, we should start the show because Tony Clement's going to be coming up here in a second. Do you have anything else to say about this? I mean, I mean, no, no, it's just again, it's t- typical corporate gobbledygook, and uh, this is designed. It's like you know, they said yesterday. Okay, it's Tuesday. Hopefully, by next Tuesday, this will blow over. Yeah. And we can move, move on. That, I mean, that's the strategy. Okay, and, and maybe if I was in that situation, I, 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 I don't know. No, you, you wouldn't. don't know what the lawyers are saying to them. Oh no. If you were the PD uh, underneath, if he was there working for you, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I, I got to get going because I got to do my country morning show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do my country music morning show. And then I'm still doing the podcast, though. This very interesting episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, at our customized underground Brampton Studio Bunker Facility, and is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plant, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two men who have no idea what an advent calendar is, but like the idea of opening a door with a surprise behind it. It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. Dan Duran's news today. The retirement Sherpa will be hanging out with us. Uh, Tony Clement in a second or two. But there's lots of uh, people that help us keep the uh, lights on here at Humble and Fred Incorporated. And uh, most recently, we... Want to acknowledge? Well, first of all, let me acknowledge our listeners, our Hundy Peas, our Humble and Fred super fans that uh, have really taken up the challenge. I don't know if it challenges the right word, but have taken up the uh, cause and helping to support us by supporting Kelsey's. Kelsey's loves being social so much that they celebrate it twice a day. Let me tell you about this. The Roadhouse Social Hour is every day, 3 to 5 and 8 to close. Every day, 3 to 5 and 8 to close, rain or shine. And it's raining like a mother here today. Why not try one of their exclusive lineup drinks like the refreshing Root 78 Citrus Hard Soda or north of 41 Degrees Draft for only $6? Double the hours, double the social. Kelly's, Kelly's, Kelsey's. The original Roadhouse. And don't forget, everybody, if you drop by and watch a game, which is awesome. Uh, the Bills are playing the uh, Thursday Nighter tomorrow night. You can watch the game at Kelsey's, win uh, NFL jerseys, soccer jerseys, and enter for the grand prize, a VIP Super Bowl 57 experience. All you got to do is visit the Roadhouse to watch a sports game, get a ticket, and enter, enter to win. Go to Kelsey's.ca, Freddie, for more uh, details. Yeah, you know, interesting phenomenon right now. I'm down in my basement. There's a huge wasp flying around me. I believe it's what November 30th. Where the hell would that come from? But anyway, it's like a. Uh, it's like he's been. He's like stone away near your <clears throat> furnace. He has no idea. Wait, you know, yeah. we should. You should try and keep him alive uh, until it snows and he goes outside. Yeah. He's like, what? What's happened? But it's huge too. Seriously, a little unsettling. Well, try are you allergic? It. No. All right, I well, just then. don't want to get stung. But again, if no, you don't, you don't. Them, they won't. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, um, but maybe if I, you know, if I get stung and I need a, an EpiPen or something, I can use my Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance plan to secure it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Small business being, say, one to 100 employees. If you've had one and you're in a position now where you can consider a benefits package, go to chamberplan.ca today. Get a free quote. It's right there. 
We're talking prescriptions. We're talking dental. We're talking um, all sorts of therapies, depending on the level that you buy into. They've done a great job of keeping premiums under control, even through COVID. They can do that because the network is so wide. 30,000 Canadian businesses are part of this. Take the time today. Chamberplan.ca. I don't want to continue this, but Dan Duran just sent me a uh, copy of the uh, Chorus Values. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, let's, uh, listen, we got other shit to talk about, but uh, it is pretty funny. Maybe we'll uh, bring these up again tomorrow. Uh, and, and the minute, and the problem with them, the minute you hang them in the wall, yeah. they're up for scrutiny. And the, the, and the minions didn't. It didn't. It didn't blow over their heads that they noticed they were being treated differently than the stars. So take that down. Like, why even bother? Hey, um, if you're looking for something, I mentioned this to Freddie, and I'm not going to play any of it, but I'm just going to recommend you go look for it. It's seven minutes that will give you, uh, I don't know, like a palate cleanser from all the filth and dirt that the world has to offer. And it's Adam Sandler accepting a Gotham, uh, it's called the Gotham Awards for uh, filmmaking or something like that, a Lifetime Achievement Award, whatever it was, doesn't matter. But just go look it up. I told Freddie about it before the show. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you see it on social media and someone says, oh, you know, this will make your day and whatever. And, and, it, and I will say this, it did. I retweeted it because it really is something. And I love Adam Sandler. I like, like him as a guy. I like his stand-up. But he's, he's got this acceptance speech that he's, he pretends was written by his 14- and 16-year-old daughters. And for the first couple minutes, you think, well, maybe they really did write this. I mean, it, and in the end, you realize they didn't. It's, but it's so well done. And uh, it just really is nothing but pure sort of happiness and it's funny but it's sweet and and i just want i just I, I just recommend anyone if you're looking for seven minutes today to maybe just wipe away the november gray skies that we have he does it in this southern voice the entire time and even says in the letter and the, and they've 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 asked me to say it in this dumb southern voice that i guess he does here's what you get from it you get, a, you get to know a guy, he's kind of like us, that loves to dick around with his kids. Mm-hmm. That's the, the main takeaway for me was I thought you'd like it. Because you and I are the same. We're always doing little funny bits with our kids. And, and you get the impression that he's like that. And uh, anyway, I just recommend it because I think people will enjoy it. Something to take away some of the, uh, the rest of it all, you know? No. Yeah, I will. I look forward to that. A um, couple like, other things. I like moments such as that. Uh, and we didn't acknowledge it yesterday, but I think we should, uh, especially wanted to get your thoughts because you were here uh, during Borea Salming's career. Uh, you were a Leaf fan, a super fan at the time. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, Salming honored at Maple Leaf Gardens, Daryl Sittler raising Salming's arm, and Borea passed away from ALS, which I was thinking about this. It, really one of the worst ways there's lots of things that can affect a human being at the end or to, to bring on the end. But man, that's one of those just terrible things. And uh, just wanted to get your thoughts about him as a guy, as a career. Well, I texted our buddy Darren uh, on that day. I said, you know, it makes you think. Live every moment like it's your last. And I, not to be overly dramatic, but I'll tell you, it was in recent history, the last couple of years... 
that I read an article on Boreas Salming. He had a successful business, underwear or something in Sweden, successful business. The man was 69, I think, at the time, like the epitome of health and strength. And you know what I mean? Just two short years ago on top of the world. And I mean, health being the most important one. Slim, looks strong, you know. And now two years later, he's dead. Um, just how quickly something like that can come up and, and, and get you. And listen, it, you know, it's not always specific to age because, you know, this anything can happen to you at any age. But, you know, the older you get, you realize the more susceptible you are to certain things. So it really is an attitude like just savor every goddamn moment. And th- this is a great example of that. Because in how quickly it took him, like just think about that. But there was some great stories within it too, because they weren't sure he should come to Canada for the Hall of Fame ceremonies, but he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He was coherent enough. There was enough going on in his brain, and obviously, well, no, but that's the problem with ALS: is yeah. your brain yes. remains intact, your mm-hmm. body but disintegrates. He, he was adamant that he come, he he come to that, and he did. So, I mean, you know, one of his last memories is that, which is just a wonderful thing. Um, Let me just say one thing about it, because I'm not commenting on him as a a player or as a person, but just the age. Mm -hmm. If you're because when I would when I would be younger, if I was in my 30s or 40s, I might think, you know, 71, you know, it's, it's getting up there. But being 62, turning 63. And, and let me just finish this thought that I spent the last two weeks with our dear friend, Bill Hertz, just the sweetest guy. And, and his group of friends who are between 75 and 88. And let me tell you, those guys at 85, they're not, they still want to keep going. And the guy at 88 who I told you about, Jim, who is playing golf three times a week and goes to the gym on Saturdays. 71 is a long time ago for him. Meaning that, you know, if you keep yourself in relative good health, you can have an active, healthy life. I got, I'm hung around a lot of people in their, excuse me, in their late 70s and early 80s that are going for dinner, that are going for walks, that are playing golf, and they do their pickleball, and on and on and on. And that's one of the things that struck me about, about psalming. Because I've had recent experience with older people, I told you the joke about the guy saying, hey, we're playing with a kid. To an 85-year-old, you and I are kids still. Yeah, you've, you know, obviously there's connection between, you know, involvement, activity, and longevity. There is. You know, because there's a lot of people, and once they hit their 70s, they just sit down and watch CNN all day, right? And then eat and go to bed and watch cnn all day or whatever i mean i've seen it and uh but to stay involved especially you know brain wise too yeah like you can't be a creative person and then just shut it down you just to me that's got to be harmful you know well you know when sometimes i used to, i used to do this joke uh, a few years ago, I was talking to the audience one night, and I said, you know what I call? I asked somebody how old they were, and they said 40, and I said, you know what I call 40-year-olds? Kid. But now, but I, but I kind of get it. Like, these guys that I played golf with on Saturday, they were 85 and 81. Like, we're kids to them. That's 20 years younger than that guy. And, and to your point about staying active and... You know, and, and, and being involved, it really is. And as, as long as you can. I mean, there are people that can't, obviously. 
but man, seventy one. And I can't, you know, I would have never th- thought to think, uh, I would never thought that we would be saying that. Even in my 40s, I would have thought, 71, you know, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's switch gears, kids, because uh, with us now is one of our uh, favorite uh, contributors. As I always say, for many years, he was second in command in this country. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. Literally, if the prime minister was sick... This guy would have been in charge, formerly the uh, Member of Parliament for Perry Sound, Muskoka, and at one time the Minister of Health for Ontario, one of our dear friends and host of, or co-host of, and another thing, podcast. It's Tony Aloysius Clement. Hey, Hey, uh, Howard, great to see you, and uh, you're looking great, and uh, we had a lot of hopes and prayers for you the last couple of weeks, buddy. Thanks, pal. Yeah, it's not been the uh, most... Uh, well, I shouldn't say it. it. was a pretty stressful time at times, but uh, what Fred just said about savoring every day, I, one, one of the notes I sent to my friends was that I said, listen, a lot of people worse off than me. We just talked about one. And I said, what I'm going to do down here is lean into the gratitude of all the great experiences I've had, you know, and not be like, oh, woe is me. And, you know, that's kind of my attitude anyway. But thanks for your, I uh, appreciate, and I appreciate the note you sent me. That was very sweet. Well, it was a short note, and uh, you had many hundreds of notes. I'm sure of that. Uh, your, your fans love you, and they love the program, and uh, you guys are top notch. Well, I thank you for that, sir. Yeah, and I'm getting some tests on Friday. I feel that, you know, the drag of it is I actually mostly feel pretty good right now. Uh, like I could still be there right now. But as I said to Freddie when he came to visit on Monday, I said, you know, I just kind of got to a point where I had reached my limit yeah. dealing with it in a foreign language. You know, um, I, I can only imagine like that, you know, you're 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 stressed out. You're you've got a health difficulty and you've got the language burden on top of that. And I think it was your daughter who said, imagine what it's like not having English as a first language yeah. in our country and having to deal with that stuff, which I thought was a great perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and one I'd never thought of. Gave even something like I got a prescription and I went to the pharmacy and, and, you know, Fred's been to this place and you've been to foreign countries. It's no joke. They don't speak English. No. Like I walked into a pharmacy. I didn't even know where the pharmacist was. I didn't tell you this story, Fred. I was at the counter where they buy gum and shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, Don Diesta and Pharmacias. I didn't, you know, so I'll have, I'll have a, I'll have a double mint. <laughs> That's right. I'll have, a, dub, I'll have <clears throat> a double bubble and some low pressor, please. Yeah, they're well. They're big on the Viagra down there too. Is that right beside the gum? Uh, I, you know what? I, I looked but didn't see it. I thought, but you know it's what? Called a grande. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. that's right. El grande boner. But uh, thank you. Yeah, that was. Uh, th- so I did reach my limit of that, and, and you know, it would have been different if I had somebody with me that spoke the language fluently, like. Every step of the way, it would have just made things easier. And that's beside the fact that doctors said, you should probably go home. That's why I came home, because it was getting me. It was unnerving to not know what anyone was saying. So, uh, Freddie, we have uh, our friend Tony here. Let's uh, get to uh, what we wanted to talk about, which is, you know, you, 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 I don't know what you wanted to lead off with. But I think we discussed this yesterday about the idea of another election. Yeah, and uh, let me say, I, I, I really admire that Tony comes on the show, really, in your position. 
you know, it said the polarization in the United States and somewhat in Canada, the only thing that's going to fix it is dialogue. We can't just take our side and hate the other guy, right? Like, that's right. going to it's going to get us nowhere. And, and I totally buy into that. As frustrating as some arguments can be and how you want to lash out, the only way to really bridge the gap is through dialogue. So it's cool that you're on the show. Anyway, we talked yesterday about... Um, Justin, opportunity, apparently rallying the troops, saying, be prepared for a spring election. And, wow, I thought they had a coalition with the NDP and we were going to ride this thing to 2025. Why do you think he's chosen this point to maybe have a snap election again? Yeah, I'm not convinced. I think the economy is going to be worse in the in the spring than it is right now. So I don't know why you'd want to go to the polls in that circumstance. But I think if he sees an opportunity, like we've seen with Trudeau, the 2021 election is a case in point. Uh, he thought everybody was telling him, the media were telling him, the pollsters were telling him, hey, if you if you uh, pull the plug on Parliament in 2021 in the fall. You're going to get a majority government. So he pulls the plug. So it could be one of these things where he just decides he's got an opportunity. And uh, that's when he will orchestrate his own defeat in parliament to call an election. That's probably the way he would do it. Do you think it has something to do with the woman in Alberta and the fact that even this week, Pierre Poliev uh, wants to take on the safe supply thing? Like, yeah. Why, like, why, why would he, why would Pierre go there? It's like right now. I, I, right. I, it just seems odd to me. So I'm thinking Trudeau is going, wow, you know, the whack job brigade is raising their head. This might right. be a good uh, opportunity. And before I, sorry John, to jump in there, Tony, explain what Fred just said. The safe, so what, what, what is the issue that Polio well, is uh, commenting on? I, I know on? a lot about this as former Minister of Health because okay. I came under a lot of criticism. Uh, in 2007 for being against what what is called the safe injection sites. I, I personally don't think they're very safe, but that's that's the argument. Right. Uh, and so uh, uh, and then uh, for me, the when I tried to pull the plug on the safe injection site uh, in, uh, uh, you know, East Vancouver, uh, uh, it all went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. And I lost I lost a. Uh, uh, judgment of the Supreme Court of Canada on that. So, uh, and since then they've expanded to many cities. So Pierre's point, he released a video uh, where he said, look, there's a lot of things broken in Canada. This is one of them. You know, 2007, 15 years later, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a lot more evidence and we're getting 5,000 deaths a year uh, from overdoses just in the downtown east side and and, and in British Columbia. So, uh, you know, multiply that by a multiple for the whole country. So his point of view is there's more homeless, there's more addicts, there's more deaths. We don't have a proper program of trying to help these people out of their addictions rather than just warehousing them and, and feeding the habit. That's got to change. That was his point. Now, okay. that did elicit, as I knew it would, a lot of comments about how he's being cold-hearted. I actually think he's being warm-hearted, saying, "Hey, let's look at the evidence now. Maybe there's a better way, and and we should we should look at that." So that and that and Fred's point is very accurate. That was very atypical of Pierre Polyev because he has been sticking to the economy messages, uh, inflation, cost of living, but it does connect to his point that there are things in Canada. We love our country. It's a great country, greatest country in the world. 
but there are some things that are broken and need to be fixed. Tony, you know this, uh, I'm, uh, the question I'm going to ask you, you know the answer from both sides. Is it easier, easier is the wrong word, is it sometimes easier to be the opposition? Meaning that, you know what I'm trying to get to? Because like it, it, you, you don't really, all you can do is you, you basically not, you poke holes in anything the government you know, is, uh, stands for because you want to be elected the government. Right. Right. And I should say on that video, he has a three point plan to turn things around. So he doesn't just criticize. He has a he has some alternatives. But I used to say because uh, I was four years in opposition, uh, 2015 to 2019 in parliament. And I used to tell my colleagues, you only need to know four words in opposition. Those bastards did what? <laughs> <laughs> That's your job. And, and the and reason, I, I, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's frustrating because, you know, you go into politics because you want to change things, you, but you don't have those levers. There are some exceptions with private members' bills, etc. But generally, you're not in power. You're just there to jab your finger at the other guys. And let me just follow up before Fred jumps back in, because the reason I bring that up is because... You know, Fred and I, Fred maybe more than me, but I'm, you know, I lean conservative depending on issues. But it's it seems to be for Fred, and he can speak to this, but for me as well, I'm having a, and you've heard this from us, I don't want Trudeau to be the next prime minister, but I'm not sure I want Pierre Polyev either. Right. And that's a bit of a right. conundrum, I think, for a lot of Canadians. Would you agree, oh, Freddie? There's, there's a few. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few Canadians who feel that way, too. Absolutely. We still well, have to make the sale. Well, that's it. You know, when you lean for too much to the right and, you know, you, you, you support truckers and stuff like that, it's like uh, that's not the conservatism that I've bought into. You know, that gives conservatism a bad name in my book. And I don't want to be part of that club. But get back to the safe supply here. Just from a strategic standpoint, I don't understand it. To me, that's the type of thing you do after you're elected. Because the minute you touch that subject, you're going to get all the bleeding hearts and all the, you know, the far left going, you heartless bastard. Right. You know what I mean? So why, why would you even nibble at that when you're not in power, so to speak? He must have... He, he spent almost a week in B.C. a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he must have detected an undercurrent. Don't forget what happened in the mayoral election in Vancouver, where the ultra-progressive mayor was booted out and mm-hmm. a law and order guy was elected. Mm-hmm. And I think what he heard as an undercurrent is that this these kinds of issues are issues. I was door knocking yesterday, gentlemen. I was door knocking in uh, Mississauga Lakeshore. Mm-hmm. Which is which is there's a by election going on, a federal by election going on right now, and uh, the conservative candidate is a 20 year Hill police and Toronto police officer uh, who worked in the guns and gangs uh, departments uh, and actually created a program to to get young gang members out of the gangs and back onto the straight and narrow. Very interesting guy named his name is Ron Chinzer, and um, to my utter amazement, when we got to the door. I would say the number one issue was car thefts. Mm. Like, like they're yeah. carjacking. I'm telling you guys, mm-hmm. it's huge. Your your listenership. Everybody has a story. Oh, if yeah. Not themselves, then their their friends or neighbors. Yep. And is that being picked up by the pollsters? Maybe not. But I and I actually I actually talked to Pierre about this yesterday. I said, Pierre, this this is an issue. Like it's an, it's an undercurrent. There are people who are scared about living in South Mississauga 
in these multi-million dollar homes because every home is a multi-million yeah, dollar yeah. home. I know the, I know the neighborhood uh, you're yeah, talking about. Afraid of, their, afraid of their cars being jacked all the time. Yeah, we told that story of my buddy and uh, who had his uh, car jacked in... Uh, in a nice neighborhood there in the east end of Toronto, and uh, it's rampant, certain uh, uh, types. But getting back to the well, idea... Mitch Marner had his jack right, right yeah, across the exactly. tower from the studio. But getting yeah. back to the idea of there's a bunch of people like myself and Fred and, and that are... That are I, when Fred told me yesterday that Trudeau might call an election in the spring, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's... it's I, I, I mean... Can you explain to, to us again, because maybe there's some people listening who don't understand, that the sitting government can just call an election. We don't have a system here where there's, there's actually, okay, you have to be, it has to be every four years like they do in the States. Well, it is a law in Canada, uh, humble, that it should be every four years. So there is a set date for the next election in twenty twenty five. I think you've explained this to me. Why can't we? Why doesn't we? Why don't we stick to that law, Tony? Because there is enough loopholes for, especially when it's a minority parliament, which this one is, where the government can say we've lost confidence of the house, we can't get our bills passed, therefore we have to go early, and they you have to okay. make that argument to the governor general, and then he or she uh, grants the writ. So, so there there's enough loopholes in the system that you can, especially in a minority parliament, where you can engineer your own defeat and say, okay, I got to go to the people. That's what you were referring uh, to a minute ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, he's got this confidence and supply agreement with the NDP. Uh, it means it, it, it was, a, I think, a three or four year agreement. Uh, but, you know, what if the NDP withdraw their support? Or what if uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Trudeau says, look, I've been trying to deal with this Jagmeet Singh guy, but I can't deal with him anymore. He's, he's being too demanding. I, I I don't think I have the confidence of the house anymore. These kinds of issues. Right. Yeah, I just I just think there's uh, six hundred million is what the last election cost, from what I recall. I think there's yeah. six hundred million we could use for other things in this country. But right it, and that was an issue, if you recall, first two weeks of the campaign, everybody was pissed that yep. we're going to the polls, and by the end, uh, Mr. Trudeau, great communicator. Uh, was able to create other issues that uh, won the day. And, okay. you know, part of it was, you know, obviously the the unvaxxed and uh, all the protests that went, right. on, went on during the campaign, et cetera, which re- rebounded to his favor. Well, he's not a great com- uh, communicator. He has people behind him te- telling him what to say. To say There's that, yeah. communicate. Well, he's I, a great you know, actor. <laughs> and I fully believe that. Tony, help me with something else. I struggle with this, too, because... I find it a insult to my intelligence when, listen, left against right, conservative against, uh, you know, liberal and blah, 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 blah. Inflation is a worldwide problem. So when I hear, and I hear it in the States all the time, blaming Joe Biden and blaming Pierre Trudeau for the inflation thing, you lose me. Because as a worldwide issue it's like i don't have time for that don't don't try and pin that on him now because to me it's just disingenuous and you're bullshitting am i wrong how how much is inflation tied to those individuals specifically yeah i well i think it's a question of degree i think inflation is here around the world but what's what's the degree of inflation we've got huge food inflation right now and that we've got energy inflation and i think pierre's point is uh, government uh, decisions have made it a lot worse for ordinary Canadians, whether he's talking about the carbon tax or whether he's talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the lack of investment in infrastructure 
these kinds of issues have actually uh, juiced inflation. And the big thing is, of course, the expansionary policies of the Bank of Canada, which Pierre has talked about for years now. And in fact, the governor of the Bank of Canada admitted recently that, yeah, I guess some of the things we did have have contributed and is a major cause of our inflation. So blaming 100% of inflation on the government? No, that's not reasonable. But I think Pierre's point is, it's a lot worse in Canada for a lot more people because of the decisions of the Trudeau government. And, 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 I, and I'm not well equipped enough, yeah, I was going to say, to, to dis- dispute that. And, you know, there, we're going to get emails from people going, oh, Tony's full of shit. We are. But you know, to be honest, I can't argue that because I don't what you just said. I don't know enough about it. And, and I was going to say, and that's, and that's no. Pierre's responsibility. And I was going to say, Tony, that's a is, fair is to communicate that better. Right. But that's a fair point. The problem is if you if if. He and I, who are you know semi intelligent, if we if we have trouble getting our heads around it, the average person all they hear is inflation's Trudeau's fault, you know, or in the states, fuck Joe Biden, sort of swear in front of you. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it, so yeah, yeah. it's true. Maybe those policies have affected inflation in in certain sectors in our country more or less. But again, the average voter, as you've met most recently. You know, their their issues and their grasp of them, you know, may not be the nuance of government is lost on most people. Yeah. And maybe maybe most people don't believe anything that Trudeau is saying and they don't believe anything Pierre is saying. Exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. again, that's that's the fact that you are skeptical about Pierre Polyev. I respect that. I, I, I understand that he's a, he's new as a leader on the political scene. He hasn't been a leader before this. So that's his job. His job until election day is to convince people like you that he's on the right track. He's got the best of intentions. He's got the plan that will work. That's that's the job of a leader of opposite. You asked what the job is. Mm-hmm. It's not only jabbing your finger in question periods, <laughs> convincing people uh, throughout the country that, hey, you know, things can be better. And it's got to be a positive message. I agree with you guys on that. It can't just be yeah. these guys are bad. Like, well, hey, it's yeah. got to be here is the future. The future can be better. It can work for you. You can buy a house. You can buy your groceries, whatever it is. Those those are the kinds of issues we got to talk to. And as usual, it's people up in the middle because there are those who are prepositioned, like our buddy Dan Duran. Like, he, like I know right now he will never, ever for one second consider Pierre Poliev. He just wouldn't. Yeah because it's not part of his makeup. And then there's people on the other side that just love everything that Pierre Poliev does. It's us guys in the middle that have to be reached. And, you know, I, I, for Pierre's sake, I, you know, I, I hope there is an election in the spring because I think he's going to need more time than that. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's not under his control. So right. he, he, we're, we're, we're preparing for a spring election, too, because as soon as the other guys do, you got to do yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. So... We'll, we'll be preparing uh, for more candidates and more, you know, I'm involved on the fundraising end. So that's my responsibility is more fundraising. So all of that, you know, is going to be gearing up in, in January for sure. Um, I love that. Just remind me before we let you go. What was the phrase? Uh, those bastards said what? Yeah, those, those bastards did what? <laughs> those yeah, bastards yeah. did what? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the four words you need to know in opposition. Well, man, listen, you know, we all, the guys like him and I, we yammer on endlessly, but guys like you have actually been in the room and you go, yes. you go door to door, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, like what is that old phrase? You know, uh, an enemy of my friend of my enemy is my enemy's friend. But but I that, but but so you actually know the guy. We like you, so there must be something to him because you're not a you're a decent character. 
So really, what's left now is for you to come on here with a double P, the four of us talk. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and let me just, you know, we started with the safe supply thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm not against. I'm still torn with that one. Because the whole safe uh, safe injection sites and the safe supply thing, to me, it's like there's no end date on this. It just perpetuates. It just goes on and on and on. Where if you take a different tack, well, why don't we pre- try and spend more effort prevention and and and, and, and treatment? You know what I mean? Um, and half the half the far- pharmaceutical ingredients used for this for the opioids come from China, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so China, so, you know, China's part of this this issue too. So I, I again, so somebody out there going, oh, Tony's wrong and that's heartless. No, I, I won't go that far. I, that's something that I would look at. Yeah. What is the best solution? Because the way it is now, it's just open ended. Well, that, yeah. It's and not working. Uh, you know, I've been in that area, East Hastings in Vancouver. Yeah. I know that it's just sort of a bit east of Gastown for you people who are out there. And uh, the point is something needs to be done. But as you said at the beginning, Fred, every time you bring it up, it's like, oh, my God, safe injection sites. Ah, this is terrible. But it, we can't. It's just can't go on right. the way it's gone on because i lived in vancouver in 1980 81 and in two and it was already it was it was bad back then it's always been that end of town uh tony we're gonna let you go uh we're up against this clock <laughs> no we're not we're not really but we've got a couple other things happening man sure. I, I certainly love when you visit and uh, appreciate your kind words don't forget jody and tony host and another thing podcast uh, give us a couple of uh, recent uh, topics or, or guests. We uh, we just dropped one today, gentlemen. Uh, we interviewed Janine McIver. She is a two-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. She's uh, from Oshawa. Cool. And uh, we talked about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and how she wants to make it more recognized as a sport in Canada. It was a, really, huh. it was a little bit off the beaten path for Jody and I, but we really had a, a great chat with her. What's uh, Polyev going to do about our men's soccer team? Is there is there some plans for that shit? Because we need something. I, don't get me started on that. I, I mean, this country was delirious that we scored a goal, and that was like, no. I know. Big... I don't know if you heard. I watched it in the Mexico City airport. <laughs> I was like, and I and I said to Freddie, there seems to be more people cheering for us than hashtag suck at Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, Tony <laughs> Clement. Tony. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, well, we'll certainly see you. I think uh, hopefully before Christmas. And uh, um, yeah, we have. And our our first golf game in the spring is with you and Jody. Yeah, yeah. and by, and and Thanks. our producer is going to reach out to you because we're, we're putting together a little. Uh, Humble and Fred All-Star Christmas uh, thing, and we'd love to have you part of it, okay? Oh, thank you. I'd love it. Thank you, guys. Take care. There's uh, the former uh, assistant to the regional manager of this country, and uh, Tony Clement. Freddie, uh, I think you need to remind us again about, uh, well, the Bills, of course, tomorrow night and some of the Bodog uh, betting lines. Yes, I'll give you the uh, line on that game tomorrow, Howard. But uh, in the meantime, remind you, uh, Bodog, you know, wagering can be so much fun. Done responsibly around sporting events. It just can. It just enhances the experience. It does. So whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog is your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Again, I gave you the line for the Leaf game tonight, minus 310. 
weekend to beat San Jose. Leafs on. I keep hearing this term now. It's the new one. They're on a heater. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Believe they're on a heater. Where that? Yeah, well, they do that. You know what? It's funny. That's an expression in golf as well. Somebody's on a heater. Yeah, you you start making, well, usually after the third birdie in a row on the PGA Tour, they'll say that he's on a heater. I was a sportscaster for more than 20 years and never used that term. It's just. Yeah, but terms evolve. Oh, I know. New things are introduced. Dan just. uh, I got to catch up. (laughs) Dan just. Because uh, I was trying to come up with that, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But the full quote is, if the enemy of my enemy is my friend, then a friend of my enemy is my enemy. Okay. <laughs> you know, some of these drugs I'm on are making me loopy. Um, but back, back to the Tony thing for a second. It, it, and it is so true. It, you know, it, it's difficult sometimes to just try and open your mind to the other side. But... You know, on a rational level, sometimes we just have to do that. And, and, and again, this um, this safe supply thing was it because I, I I read so much reaction to it, and it's immediately oh, if it came out of his mouth, it must be wrong. It exactly. has to be that. No, I got it. Without without just saying, okay, wait a minute, let me just let me just find out a little bit more about this before I take my position. Fantastic. You know, we understand. Yeah. I, I have a thing to do to her. Oh, okay. I'm right. It's okay. No, I'm just, no, no I, we'll get back to you uh, and safe injection sites in a minute. Uh, you know, I understand that learn, the learning curve associated with transitioning from an ICE, an internal combustion engine, vehicle to an EV, an electric vehicle. There's a learning curve for sure. And that's what we would like to do this year is take you on a journey with us. And one of the great things about evnet.ca is that you can rent it first. You can take it for a test drive. And, you know, like when normally you buy a car, whether... You know, it's a used or a new one. You know, you take it for a test drive, maybe 20 minutes, and then you decide if you're going to buy it. As you've experienced recently, there's a lot to having an electric vehicle, not the least of which is not paying for gas anymore, but you've got to plan and charge it. But here's the great thing at rentelectric.ca or evnet.ca. Um, it, it, what's cool about it is you get to have it for a weekend. Maybe you can take it for a week. Uh, They have an app that allows clients to set up and rent the vehicles from various locations. The app can be found, as I mentioned, and their selection is pretty wide. The Bolt, the Kona that you and I drove, the Outlander, the Nissan Leaf, and the Tesla Model 3. It's a different buying experience. You can uh, book test drives by appointment, or if you're in the area, you can uh, check out their hours of operation. Anyone can walk in. Any vehicle for rental is for sale, and there are higher-end vehicles available for sale that are not part of the rentals. EVNet has all the EVs for sale with technical info, so check it out. Okay. I saw the uh, Canadian forecast. CTV had it up there this morning. Did you see that? They're calling it a... We're going to have a two-faced winter in eastern Canada, especially. And uh, that was the headline. Two-faced winter. What does that mean? And what it means is there are going to... (laughs) There are going to be times... Check this out. When it's going to be really, really cold. And there are going to be times when it's not going to be as cold. (laughs) That's great. It's like every winter we've ever had. There are going to be times when it's cold and other times when it's not so cold. Well, tomorrow's December 1, um, and they're predicting a, a severe December from what I understand. Yes. 
and then things are going to moderate. And I'm thinking, you know, and we were told over the years by program directors, don't rub, uh, you know, uh, things in your listeners' uh, face, like certain, you know, about being going to sun destinations or broad, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we were always told to, uh, you know, never brag or never talk about the fact that we got to go away. Yeah, because listeners wouldn't like it because a lot like, of your listeners right. can't, so That's right. which I thought was bullshit. But anyway, on uh, to that point, I look at it. I've got about six weeks of uh, winter left. That's it yeah. for me. Yeah. And uh, um, I've earned it. I'm going to be 67. And I, I, I've earned that. I believe I've earned that um, that luxury. Well, it was a long time. Coming. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was having this conversation with our friend. Uh, mm hmm. You know, Bill, the uh, traditional radio, you know, basically we talked about this. You and I were never really allowed to go away for two weeks in a row. The show no. couldn't. I had to, you know, we couldn't go. To, we never got to go two weeks at the same time. No. Uh, and uh, I believe uh, I have earned it as well. Unfortunately, one of the bummers of this heart condition now is that mm-hmm. I was only going to be here. You know, I was going to be away for a month doing the show in Mexico come back for six weeks and be gone for the rest of the winter. My problem is now, I don't know if I will be able to go away again. So I will be uh, jealous of you, but happy for you at the same time. How's that? Cause I, I know may, that's I may, I may sure have to stay here. Lying. Well, yeah, but the fact is I may have to be here all winter now because I, if I can't get to the bottom of why this is happening, I'm not going away. No, I understand. That. So I'll be here in the Humble and Fred Studios. Maybe I'll just, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll just be like one of those people that sits around watching CNN, <laughs> CNN, CNN all day eating ruffles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, working in the sun, look at that smiling face look at that angelic face please uh, welcome back to our program that's not what I want to play <laughs> please uh, welcome back to our program a man that will take you by the hand and lead you up the mountain of investment retirement and aging with uh, confidence security and comfort Tim.Niblet or RaymondJames.ca is how you get a hold of him. But right now you can have him in person streaming on Facebook and a podcast that's heard around the world. It is, in fact, the Retirement Sherpa. Good morning, all. I just recognize I don't have my background on, so you can see the real uh, deal here. But I'll tell you what, Jerry. I, too, was golfing with an 88-year-old recently who's uh, still reading all the time, working out, and... uh, just rocking it. It's so so inspiring to see. I want to say something about your picture, though. It's really sharp today. It's excellent, actually. Because okay. you don't have it. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, we were talking about aging with energy. And uh, the idea that, you know, lots of people, uh, you know, you just mentioned, I was talking about hanging around with a bunch of people in their late 70s and 80s. And that's made me think of you, too, because... You know, you need your money to last because if you're lucky, you're going to last. 
that's the biggest thing you need to know and the thing you don't know, right? We, When we talk with people, we, of course, try to evaluate their health to some degree. Uh, not a doctor, just play one on uh, on the radio, right? <laughs> that's but, right. Uh, you know, how long have their parents lived for? How long has mom been for? Dad, uh, you know, rest of the family and all? Because, yeah, whether you need your money till you're 90 or till you're 80 makes a heck of a big difference, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it sure does. I mean, yeah, that that's part of that investing uh, equation that uh, there's really no answer for, is there? Because <laughs> you just don't know. No. So I, I guess to some degree, and, it, you know, we're all different on this, like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do you want to live with no money or die with money? Those are kind of your two choices there, right? So uh, you've you got to try to balance things out. When we do projections for people, we... Uh, usually you know ultimately it's theirs so it's whatever they want but uh we'll load up in the first 10 15 years of retirement how much income they take out because they're probably more likely to be able to have the health to enjoy the wealth with how much is uh how much would you say does legacy play a a a a part because you know i've heard those people i want to spend every last bloody dime and then The other side that people are conscious of what they're spending because they want their kitties to have something. So you've talked to Lorna then, have you? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good, sure. She goes, Sarah will be fine. She doesn't need anything. Well, you know, we, um, like many people, more and more, it seems all the time, guys, uh, they kind of do the legacy while they're alive, right? You know, mm-hmm. they'll go on a cruise with the whole family and the grandkids or, yes. uh, you know, have a cottage and keep the cottage and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, depends on the person, but, but we see the living legacy happening more and more all the time. Which makes sense because sometimes there's not as much tax there too. Like if you sold your house, right? Your $2 million house and then cut the kids some, a uh, couple of checks, that's uh, tax free. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Nice uh, tax-free asset. No doubt about that. Yeah, and let's uh, segue to uh, today's uh, topic, which is TFSAs. Once again, it's that time of the year. Um, if you haven't heard this discussion before, listen up, because the Sherp's about to tell us why uh, those are good and also how they compare uh, to more of the traditional you know, RRSP. So we all know the RSP deadline 60 days into the year, or at least we know it's the end of February for the previous year. TFSA is a different dynamic in lots of ways. And one is you never really run out of time and you never really run out of room. Uh, but each December 31st or January 1st, to be precise, uh, you, you get more contribution room so next year one of the good sides of inflation i guess is that the contribution room goes from six thousand per year to sixty five hundred per year uh so your cumulative uh ability to to uh, contribute be eighty eight thousand dollars so it it doesn't really disappear at the end of the year but uh of course compound growth the sooner you get it in uh, the better on average yeah well would you if somebody was 30 years old and starting out um, investing, what weight would you put on that? 50-50? Um, or because TFSAs, right, it, it grows within that, um, obviously, tax-free within that structure. You're not paying taxes when you're taking it out if it's registered and that kind of thing. Sure. So we, we look at it, you know, in the structure of the plan, of course, but probably, Fred, the younger somebody is, the more likely the TFSA uh, is the way to go because you'll have 
even more tax-free compounding. Also, on average, 30-year-olds aren't making more than they make, hopefully, at the age of 50 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So once you use the dollar of RSP room, it's gone forever. You don't want to use it when you're making a low amount. You want to use it when Mm -hmm. you're making, of course, a high amount. It's too bad because the uh, TFSAs didn't exist when I started contributing to my own RSP, which was in my early 20s. Uh, but what a great vehicle that the government has allowed us. And uh, but as you know, because what the retirement Sherpa does is deal with, you know, people as they approach retirement age. And back to the the beginning of this discussion, it really was. And I know, you know, you guys have been in this area before me, but I, like I really did get to see what older people active older people can can live a really healthy you know really great lifestyle but you need income you need money to do that right another thing you know howard is it's great to because uh, i deal with a lot of people who are retired right lord knows i'm not there yet but i deal with lots of people <laughs> who are so um it's important to have diversification of your income streams as well if you get to retirement and all you got is pension money or rsp money you're paying the maximum tax on every dollar you take out in income so you want in a perfect world have some non-registered investments maybe an insurance policy creating wealth and definitely tfsas you've got a lot more flexibility of income sources uh super important in retirement all right, pal, I'm going to let you go, but I did have one question. Did the 88-year-old beat you or not? Uh, thankfully, it was kind of funny. I, I was uh, out with him and another gentleman who's uh, in his 80s, and, and they're both awesome. Uh, but the very first hole, uh, you know, the, neither of them could see where their damn drive went, <laughs> and it, it wasn't pretty. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> but, uh, no, they uh, they straightened it out. We did Wordle together after, and uh, it was a great day. It was uh, awesome to see you, of course, uh, healthy and hearty there. So, uh all good. Well, thanks, pal. I'll let you know after Friday if I find anything out. Um, the retirement Sherpa, as I mentioned, he's our guy. He should be your guy, too. Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. As always, the last word to you. Yeah, my pleasure as always. Again, as in the email, I told you I was supposed to take care of all the hard stuff for 2022. <laughs> no, so I quit, know. Uh, you know, trying quit, to get quit in. Quit hogging on, your on bit. <laughs> it's my territory. I know. Leave it to me. But but feeling great, I'm going to go for a walk after this because I've got lots of appointments the rest of the day. So, as always, enjoy and profit. All right, Timmy, Good take on, care. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for your good words. Did, did, are you all, all caught up there, brother? Uh, Freddie? Because I have... Uh, let me just squeeze in this last uh, audio uh, intervention. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, All right, Dan Duran. Dan. Howard, question. Freddie. No, I was just uh, back to the Derringer thing for a while, too. I'm wondering what that situation is like, because, again, that was front page news yesterday. And although there wasn't a lot of, well, there was enough detail. What's it like for him to leave his house now and go out in public and 
Because, again, there was a lot of billboards over the years. There was television commercials, whatever. So his, mm-hmm. his visually, he's recognizable as well. But to have that hook on you, to go out in public now, it's got to be intimidating. Even if you overthink it, like, is that person looking at me that I'm an abuser? Like, you know, it's weird. Well, yeah, we talked about that a little bit in the spring. Like, mm. you know, mm. like, you know, Sean Gomeshi had to, I think he left yeah. the country. And yes, uh, Derringer's got kids of, you know, social media age. And maybe they should buy a little island in the Pacific and call it Prickland. And they can all go there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. Fuck, that's I'm going to do. Prickland. I got all the money I need. Fuck yeah. you. I'm going to Prickland with I, the rest of the bricks. I mean, I've visited that island from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, Dan Duran, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. All right, everyone. Here comes Dan Duran. Oh. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A hell of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as fast for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from the Dan Duran Studios, a.k.a. my kitchen... Um, did you have uh, any more of Doll's granola for breakfast? Oh, yeah, of course. It's the yeah. first thing I had yeah, before me too. my coffee. I was like, oh, yeah. I'll good. tell you. So Doll gave both Dan and I a jar of granola, but we have decided not to be petty about it and just, you know, it's everyone's granola. But last night, my uh, daughter, Charlie, came over for an impromptu visit. And after dinner, she asked me what was in the jar. And I said, well, that's Delise, Fred's wife's made granola. She's like, can I just try it? <laughs> I wish I could. Re- I wish I could do justice to her reaction mm-hmm. of just how she was like. Oh, oh my! And and mm-hmm. then so I ended up. Dan, I didn't tell you this because you came home late. And I, 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 she said, "Can I just take a little bit home?" <laughs> I said, "Okay." And, so and then, we've combined. We've combined our granola supply. She's your goddaughter. Supply away without consulting. She's your goddaughter. I figured well, you I would wouldn't appreciate mind. a phone call on that. <laughs> That's right. I should have said that I'm to a Charlie. Phone call away. I should have said, Charlie, we can't. This is I. Can, I got to talk to Dad. <laughs> and then one last thing, go. Freddie, to pass on to Delise. Um, you know, Charlie, who likes to, she's tried to learn to bake the last couple of years. She right. said, "Isn't she said something that words to the effect of?" She said, "You know, doll. Everything doll makes is just a little bit." A cut above, and I said, "I know, honey." And then I wouldn't wasn't sure what she meant exactly, but she goes, "Remember, it's almost bark season." So my kids, have, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, my kids yeah. have grown up tasting dolls bark for years, mm-hmm. and so Christmas around our home is known as dolls bark season. So tell her that. Yeah, and I've grown up listening to dolls bark. Nah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, now live with his uh, news and view views is Dan Killer police robots. Oh, now no. in San Francisco. That's my trailer voice. But it is, a, is official. In San Francisco, the police department now has approved killer police robots. Last night, their board of supervisors passed a vote to allow city cops to use potential lethal remote-controlled robots in their uh, enforcement operations. 
So now it doesn't have any plans right now to arm robots with firearms, but they might use the machines strapped with explosives to uh, contact, incapacitate, or disorient violent, armed, or dangerous suspects in life-and-death situations. Robots equipped in this manner would only be used in extreme circumstances to prevent or a further loss of innocent lives, according to the spokesman. But there are others who are saying, listen, we're trying to, you know, uh, make the whole police image a little bit lighter. And this is not the way to go. Yeah, I'd say um, the first thing I thought of is I bet you the black community thinks that the robots would be safer than white cops. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. The robots Especially would be AI like, ones, that, yeah. at least the robots doesn't doesn't see me as a black person first and a perpetrator second. Mm. Whenever I hear those stories, I just think of lawsuits. You know, if the robot is just off a few degrees and blasts some innocent person. And then getting back to what you just said, Howard. <laughs> um, Dan was in, uh, weren't you in RoboCop? Yes, I was. Very, yeah. The very first one. No, I was in oh. the TV series. Oh, that's the, right. You the, were in the series yeah. of it. Yeah, Erica M. was my uh, co-host as we uh, did a news program mm. in, in, the, in all the entire series, I think. That's really cool, man. Yeah, it was fun. Back in her much days, I had a huge crush on her. Just everything about her. Yeah. And you know, when we started the podcast, she became a bit of a regular on the show, yes. mm-hmm. uh, promoting her website at the time. I'm sure it's a podcast now called Yummy Mummy. And I would yeah. tell you, at the time, she was definitely a yummy mummy. I'm sorry if you want to say that. Don't objectify I know. <laughs> we're, no, we're, we're no better than Derringer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One way ticket to Prick Island, please. <laughs> Fucking Dan, do you have any go there? You can once you go to Brick Island. Wouldn't that be great if you and I just you'd have all your money and you'd just be able to be a prick to each other and no That's right. I was gonna say Dan they should all think about. We should have trailer voice day at our house. When I get when I get this heart thing cleared up and we can go back to smoking weed together, we should (laughs) we should just do this all day. Dan Duran, are you gonna finish the granola? Here's where I'm at. He said trailer voice. I'm thinking he doesn't use that voice. It's a trailer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, fuck. Howard. Trailer voice with a trailer. That's, That's right. Talking about. Howard, are you going to do the dishes or should I? <laughs> Is it your turn to unload? Uh, I took first, the, uh, the first glass from the dishwasher. Who's going to walk the dogs today? <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, all right. Well, thanks to Tony Clement. And, of course, Tim Niblett. Uh, thanks to everyone weighing in on Facebook. Uh, tomorrow is uh, email day around here. Uh, lots to catch up on. Uh, a couple interesting stories I came across that I have saved for tomorrow. One of which is uh, an interesting story I found about songs that have over a billion streams. And uh, it's funny that number when you and I are... In radio, we'd think of like, you know, in Canada, 50,000 was gold, 100,000 was platinum. The states were 500,000 and a million. And then albums like Jagged Little Pill, uh, I remember, sold 20 million. But I could never have imagined a song streaming over a billion times. It's like a, it seems like a fantasy number, but uh, tomorrow I'll tell you about some of the ones that uh, do. Right. Um, is, is this the story where the most. Um, stream song last year was a, a Justin Bieber duet. 
with somebody or something. Um, I heard that story yesterday. I don't have that information, but maybe we could find it out. But uh, no, it's just an interesting article. I think it's uh, it's from that. I can't. Remember, who who turned us on to this? Maybe it was Dan. The uh, website, the Visual Capitalist. Hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. So um, interesting. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's funny too. When it's interesting and funny. It's funny when you see something interesting. Yeah, and sometimes, um, but sometimes things can be funny and not interesting. Right. You know, um, from our pop culture file, too, we didn't touch on it yesterday or today. Will Smith being on The Daily Show and trying to explain away his actions at Oscar night. He was dealing with something at the time. And it was like, really? You de- really? What, what could that have been that you get up out of your chair? Walk in front of a billion people and clobber a guy. It's like, OK, like, you know what? Hey, when the uh, show's over today, would you show me where our pop culture file is? Because I, yes, I said, <laughs> um, uh, this is a story too tomorrow that you know seems like a kind of thing you'd only do on regular, sh- you know, schlocky radio. But I only bring it up because it's the uh, Canada. It's you know this time of the year. It's the same shit every year, but it's the top baby boy and baby girl names for uh, oh, Canada. Yeah. Right. But I will tell you that once again. Howard did not Howard make, make it. <laughs> did not make the list. Uh, and strangely enough, I was looking for Fred and Dan, and uh, so far I don't see them. But I'll, I'll have to double check. Dan? No, I know. Oh, wow. No, Daniel goes up and down on that that list. You know, some yeah. years it's up there. I don't know what year was was Howard at the time. Uh, Howard was uh, never on the list. Yeah. Yeah, it was well, even Howard. A, Howard yeah. was never a book of the Bible either, right? Neither was Fred, by the way. That's true. Yeah, there's no Fred. Have been. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would have been an interesting chapter. <laughs> That's right. I tell you, I like that fucking. I want to. I have visited Prick Island. Anyway, listen, kids, we got to go because Dan Duran is busy. And I, it's requested I am, yeah. we get the hell out of here uh, at a decent yeah. time today. Let's, let's do it. I'm going to be recording uh, for you uh, Swing Thoughts uh, fans, and there's a few crossovers. I'm going to be recording a another episode of Swing Thoughts, first time in about a month today. And uh, in the next uh, few weeks, Fred and I have uh, we'll have some information about uh, an exciting new uh, adventure that we're involved in in the world of podcasting. So, you know, there's lots of stuff uh, happening here. Yes. <clears throat> Even though I'll be stuck here for the entire winter being miserable. Anyway. In the meantime, Dan. I feel for you, buddy. No, I feel for you, Dan. Get a sun lamp or something. Yeah, I'm going to start to go to a fucking tanning salon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get one, though, where they give you a little tug, too, though. You know, what, I think the, what the fuck are you talking about? They don't do that. At, I know where to go for that business, my friend. <laughs> In my neighborhood, this there's episode. like in my neighborhood, there's a drive-through. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Okay, all right. All right. Fred, and I, Fred, Fred and I Fred. clearly, Fred and I clearly want to do more show. <laughs> okay, you're just not done. Yeah, all right, all right. Oh, hang on a second. Let me start that again because that's not fair to Dan. All right, all okay. right. All Dan Duran. Here comes Dan Duran.
This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. We read your emails, so email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. And on this podcast, if you like us, you give us hearts and stars, we'll be more popular and we'll like you a lot more. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duranda. Remember, this interesting show was the Wednesday show, not the Tuesday show, the show that was yesterday, the Tuesday that was yesterday. Tune in tomorrow, the Thursday that will be tomorrow, the first day of December. Enjoy every goddamn day. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans that just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that? 